Hello and welcome to the very latest uh, Forever Blue podcast. As ever, we're at Thameside Radio in Ashton, a place where I, I know well because I present six programmes a week here, Saturday afternoon at one o'clock and every night at eight, the 80s hour. Thought I'd get the plug in early on. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and we are, of course, a Manchester City uh, podcast and uh, we're going to talk about Manchester City tonight. Surprise, surprise. And we're sponsored by charleslouis.co.uk, uh, which is a chartered mortgage advisor. Uh, company. So if you've got any issues, any questions, any problems about buying a mortgage or you've got children or grandchildren, anything like that, who may be in need of a mortgage, trying to get into the property market, they're the place to go. CharlesLouis.co.uk. Dave's your man. Dave is a City fan uh, and obviously he's keen to support this podcast and we're keen to have you support him back. So if you need anything in that direction, go and have a look at that website. And it's worth having a look at the website, by the way, because it's got lots of information on there. Now, with me tonight are two of the regulars, Will, uh, who is our Steven Spielberg, the filmer. So you'll see the video of a chunk of this on on YouTube, and that's down to to Will. He does the editing, he does the filming and everything, but he's also a contributor from time to time, and tonight he is. We've also uh, got Paul, who's wearing his Pep Guardiola flat cap tonight. So, uh, is that why you're wearing it, by the way? No, it's in homage to uh, Alan Ball. All right, okay. Which you'll find out later. Okay, well, that, that's good. And we have a, a guest tonight who's been on the podcast before, Sean Riley, who is a, a lifelong blue. I've known him since the, the old days of the football specials. Absolutely. Um, in fact, uh, on the late ones back, he used to drop you off, didn't he? On the you way certainly back. did, Ian. I think I might owe you the petrol money, actually, for that. <laughs> Yeah. And, and you're, forgotten. your good lady Sean, who was then your girlfriend, is it's your girlfriend, lady Sean, sorry, Jane, yeah. who was your girlfriend back then. Absolutely. Still with her. Yeah. Blimey. Must Best have done decision. something right then. Best decision of my life. <laughs> A bit like signing pet fiddles, definitely. <laughs> and if anybody remembers back to the days when I was on the BBC, I did a documentary. Uh, about the 2012 season and the climax of that season and it was Sean and a, and a young lady called Rebecca who sadly is no longer with us, a United fan and the two of them were absolutely brilliant in fact Jane was as well, she contributed yeah. a little bit to it uh, Sean's other half and it was it was a fantastic documentary I'm very very proud of it, uh, uh, you know it's, it's something I'll never forget and yeah. Sean, Rest in peace Rebecca Stevens, absolutely lovely lady She was very very, yeah. uh, very missed as well um, anyway, let's move on to, first of all, a couple of um, topics that are, are now, and then we'll talk a lot about your book, which is Don't Look Back in Anger, which I know you, you wrote with Don Price. Co-written, yeah, but I'll get Don's name in there. So, so yeah, <laughs> we'll, and we'll mention Don again later <laughs> on. Well, let's talk about the, the stuff that's ongoing at the moment. Now, since we last did a podcast... Uh, the result of the Bernardo Silva investigation has happened, and we all know that he's been banned for a game and been also fined £50,000. Uh, before that, we talked about it a little bit. Uh, is that the right decision, guys? I mean, uh, it, it, are you surprised that that's happened? He, obviously, he's now going to miss the Chelsea game. I'm not surprised it's happened. Um, I think it's well over the top. I think the fine uh, is ridiculous. I'd like to see that fine... If it's going to do any good, send the grassroots. So if we can send the send the money to grassroots, that'd be great. At least something good's come out of it. Um, there was always going to be something happened, you know, in this day and age full of snowflakes and whatever. You can't do what he did. So he's been punished. He's got one game. I think it's just a, a bit of a talking to and going a, a you know, a, a course. They've done it, to be honest. 
What about you, Will? Yeah, I mean, obviously it's done now. There's not really much we can say about it. Um, let's just hope not only Bernardo but the rest of the squad have sort of learnt what you can and can't get away with and we never see it again, really. I think that should be the end of it. You're on social media, Sean. I mean, to me, it's a minefield. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, um, I guess you have the same experiences. Yeah, I, I kind of draw a line where the players are concerned because it's it's the latest in a long line of uh, incidents where social media, whether it be Instagram, Twitter or Facebook, and for me, your players at the end of the day, they're paid very, very well for what they do and their application, I'm sure that if Pep had a choice that none of them would be on social media because their job is to play to the best of their ability for Manchester City Football Club with no distractions and I think social media for a footballer with a lot of spare time on the hand is a distraction and unfortunately some of them are not as well educated as, as some of us and I think that's just it's, a, it's a, an inevitable consequence that this will happen from time to time hopefully he'll have learned his lesson from it and we can move on but as I say long term if I was Pep Guardiola and if he's listening tonight I'd just ban them all off it he does, he does listen Sean oh does he yeah. <laughs> well let's get on with the job in hand and that's retaining that title <laughs> I've got to say that Bernardo Silva strikes me as being a very intelligent person actually yeah. who who uh, uh, obviously made a misjudgment and it may mm. be a cultural uh, misjudgment because the the thing that he did referred to things in another country mm-hmm. it wasn't a cartoon character that was in this country and it may be that the tolerance levels for that type of stuff is different in the country that he grew up in um, so it does always seem to me anyway a little bit harsh I, I would never condone any form of racism no. but it still feels a very harsh thing and it means he misses a huge game now um, for yeah. City against Chelsea and off the back of the Liverpool game which we've talked about a lot on the podcast so I don't profess to or want to go back over that again but City go into the next game against Chelsea off the back of that and now without Bernardo Silva so forgetting the rights and wrongs of whether he should have been banned is that a concern to you that Bernardo Silva is not available for selection? Well I mean being completely honest, he's not had the best couple of weeks, has he? He's not been the Bernardo Silva that he was last year, where he was, you know, running, I can't remember the exact figure, you know, 13 miles a match and uh, contributing. K, I think, but yeah. 13 yeah. kilometres a match. Um, but yeah, obviously he's not lost his ability, but no, it's the same spark hasn't been there over the past couple of weeks. So I'd, I'd like to think we're not going to miss him that much. Are you worried at all about missing him? Um, put it this way, I would much rather have him available for selection because it's going to be a, a great game against an informed Chelsea side. So, and, and obviously with injuries in the squad that we already have, maybe this is a perfect platform for Phil Foden to step up. Hopefully Pep would look at it that. It's a home game at the end of the day. So maybe it's not the same risk if we'd have been away to Chelsea and hopefully Phil will get the nod now. So, And I think... Pep advocates the fact that he's got a squad. We've got a very, very good squad with almost two players for every position. And really, in a season where you're going to be playing 60 games, at some point, everyone's got a chance to make, make you know, stamp their authority on it. So for me, I, I'll take the positive out of it and think Bernardo not playing is an opportunity for another player to come in and do the best in the Manchester City. You've got City to understand shirt. that Sean is one of the most positive City fans I've probably ever met. He makes Harlan, who's a regular contributor, seem like 
the most <laughs> negative person on the planet. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. I, I can't help thinking. My instinct feels we might. I might be proven wrong that it will be Riyad Mahrez that comes in and replaces Bernardo Silva. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and apart from that, it might be very similar to what played at Liverpool. But we'll see. Yeah. I mean, obviously, the the other thing that ha- happens at this time of the year is the rumor mill goes. I've seen rumors that um, Pep Guardiola is now in his last season. Uh, I've, I have no way of knowing whether that's true at this stage. None of us do. But if that is the case, I'm not going to labour the point. I'm not going to discuss it for ages. But I am going to ask you the point because it's it's out there and that's what some people are talking about. If Pep is going at the end of the season, is that a concern? Do you do you, do you give any credence to these rumours? Um, at the beginning of the season, I'd have said no. But as the season's gone on, having you brought up that subject to me just now you start looking at body language of Pep and you look at the way he's been conducting himself in press conferences he's getting he's getting really frustrated with the media um, which quite rightly so I mean I would um, and you look at his body language when he's he's on the pitch pitch side he's, he's not he's not the same Pep that's been around the last couple of seasons um, his wife's gone back to uh, Catalonia um, I hate to say it and I'm sounding a little bit fed up when I'm talking here but, but it, it wouldn't surprise me if he didn't leave at the end of this season He's under contract of course for one more full season after this one Which means nothing mm. in this day and age Well it? generally Pep has honoured his contracts he certainly did at uh, Barcelona he did it at Bayern Munich and he's always said that he will honour contracts unless it's other people that make the decision for him uh, All I can add is that having watched uh, from the sidelines, the fact that part of his family is now no longer here, yeah. uh, that did and an immediately worry me. And I, I suppose I do recognise what you're saying about him, but he seems a little bit more touchy. I'm at all the pre-match press conferences, and I've noticed a slight difference. Um, I, I'd, what, what do you think? I think my perception of it is, I think that if Pep was to achieve uh, a Champions League victory this season, win, the, win that final, it would almost make it an easy exit or an easier exit for him. Uh, I think failing that, he would actually see his tr- contracts out. Um, but I think if he could do that, and David Silver and obviously and Aguero were to bow out on their careers on a Champions, I think that would be the... That would be the thing for him to, to, to make that decision to go. But otherwise, I believe he'll honour it. I think he will stick it out. Well, since he joined, we've all we were all made aware of the fact that Pep's not the sort of guy to stick about. You know, like we've all said, he'll, he, he honours his contract at his club, but he never wants to. I wouldn't say build a legacy because he builds a legacy everywhere he goes. But yeah, I think he likes to test himself and sort of constantly reevaluate himself where he's up to. Seems like the sort of guy doesn't like getting too comfortable and even if you know say for example we were we were 12 points clear this season it'd probably be the same situation wouldn't it he'd probably just be getting bored of winning the Premier League and just wants to test himself so I hope he stays you know I hope he stays for as long as we can have him but yeah I wouldn't be surprised if he goes at the end of the season Vincent Company, as he says in his new book, which obviously I know very well, because uh, I, I wrote it. Um, <laughs> did you know you did He thinks that um, whenever this happens, because he obviously didn't speculate about when Pep would go, that Arteta would be the natural follow And Is that the assumption, if and when it happens? I, I, I think that's what he's been lined up for. Um, Pep... Pep doesn't stay there all the time at clubs. I think he's only ever done is it four years maximum or something, three, four years. 
So um, I think when he got Arteta in, I think that's when you realise that forget any other managers, he's the sorcerer's apprentice. He's coming in to take over when when Pep goes. So yeah. And as as a City fan. Um, again, we're just painting scenarios here, and obviously, until something happens, mm. this is speculation. So I'm, I'm not going to, as I say, labour it. I'll ask you one more question. Um, Mikel Arteta has never managed a team before. He is sort of untried, if you like. Um, is that, as a City fan, something that you would embrace completely and say no problem because Pep has set the bar? very, very high. The expectation levels now are very, very different than they were a few years ago. Or does it have to be sort of some sort of big name who comes in? I mean, so part part of me would like to think if this is Pep's recommendation and obviously Pep's seen him behind the scenes for the past few years, in, you know, in Pep we trust, as we've been saying. But obviously, then what down the road? Obviously, Fergie named his successor. <laughs> we, we all saw how that turned out. Works so out a treat for us, isn't it? Well, exactly. <laughs> but that could this could work out a treat for them. So, yeah. obviously, if the club trusts in Arteta, we've got to stick with him. He knows mm-hmm. he knows how we play. He knows he knows the players. They they know him. Obviously, he's he's highly sought after. A lot of teams want him to become their full time manager, and we've kept hold of him. So there must be a a promise of something further down the line. So the yeah. final question in this sort of section, if you like, before we start to to reminisce a little bit, <laughs> is um, uh, the dust has settled now. We've had what ten days since the, the or nine days or whatever since the Liverpool defeat. As we sit and record this, emotions were very high when we sat and recorded the last two podcasts, and all of the comments that people have made on social media and people who are out and about at sports clubs or whatever were all raw, in-the-moment, emotional. You've had time now to think. As City now start to play again on Saturday against Chelsea, I know what Sean's going to (laughs) say. Are you optimistic that the title race is still on, that the nine-point gap is bridgeable, etc., etc.? Or are you anxious now that you've analysed it that maybe this season is a season too far for the title? Well, it's never over, and certainly not in November, surely. I mean, it's three games. It's a two, three-game swing. I think when before the season started, two games against Liverpool, I never ever banked on getting anything at Anfield, and I'm sure you'd concur with that. And really, the things that cost us this season to date are the defeats to Wolves and Norwich. They're, they're the damaging uh, defeats, in my, in my opinion. Um, so, so, yeah, I, I, it's definitely not over. We've also got Chelsea and Leicester, who are more than capable. And uh, I don't know about you, but... Leicester when they played at ours last season that was the hardest fought 1-0 victory I, I can ever remember in a long long time and how Leicester didn't get anything from us in that game still surprises me still gives me nightmares now and we won the league <laughs> courtesy of that victory so uh, yeah very, still still early days and I think Liverpool they've had it so good and they've had so much goal for them something's got to give it cannot continue for a season long. It can't do. Well, you know my job's to play devil's advocate when I'm hosting this. If you listen to all the Liverpool fans, and I know you won't want to give much credence <laughs> to them, but they will say, come on, we're having the this, this season of our lives. We've started better than any other team has yeah. ever started in Premier League history. We've just beaten you at Anfield. Uh, thump you, as they would say. Yeah. What On what basis do you think City can catch Liverpool? <laughs> I, the only way we can catch Liverpool, let's be honest, it's out of our hands now, isn't it? I think I said this on the last podcast. The only way it's going to happen is 
if Liverpool get injuries because the the, the referees, the whatever, the, the media, they're, they're bigging it all up, ready for a big Liverpool victory. Don't care what, whether it's conspiracy theories, whatever you want to call it. So we can't do anything with that. We can't even guarantee as much confidence this year that we can win the games like we were winning last year because we had a bit of rubber green and stuff last time. You've got to do to win the league. But this year, there's just something there's something in the stars that Liverpool it, are going to win it. And I'm, if if we get beat on on Saturday, Saturday, Sunday, is it? Saturday. What day is tonight? <laughs> um, if if they get beat and it'll take him, you know, and assuming Liverpool win, that's twelve points. Unless they get injuries, we could win every game of the season, and we're still not going to do it, are we? So it's out of our hands. I'm I'm trying to be not too downbeat on it, but I'm trying to trying to be realistic. Last word to Will on this. I think the the couple of days after a defeat are always the most pessimistic. I think looking forward to the Chelsea game, I was not not looking forward to it at all. As we get closer, obviously. The typical typical city of the last two or three years comes in again, and you sort of think, well, yeah, we on our day we can take any team we want, and we beat them six 0 last year. So oh, I'm, I'm torn. I'm sitting on the fence. All right. On that note, then we'll, we'll, pause, <laughs> Sorry. we'll pause that discussion there, and so we'll we'll do what we wanted to do for the, the biggest chunk of this podcast, which is to talk about the old days because people say City have no history I've seen it only today on social media a Liverpool fan saying we've won 18 titles and 5 or 6 European Cups whatever many it is mm-hmm. uh, that's what history is well that's not what I understand history is history is a lot more complicated than that we've had Gary James who is City's unofficial historian I say that respectfully I don't think there's an official role as historian that's why I say it he effectively is the club's historian. And if you've ever been to his talks that he gives, and I have been lucky enough to be in attendance at several of them now, um, he will talk about the history of Manchester City, the rich history of Manchester City, and it isn't just about winning trophies. Uh, I mean, obviously that is a fixation from clubs of uh, supporters of certain clubs. Uh, some will say the reason why City fans are not like that is because they haven't won as many trophies. So, yeah, I can see that. But I actually think that having a a multi-layered history is far more interesting than just actually winning all the time. Just my opinion. But I think, Sean, having now become an author... Co-author, yeah. Co-author. <laughs> yeah. And you're still Dipping an author. Dipping toe in the water. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. you, you have, have lived through all the football I've lived through. You've lived through... All the fandom that I've lived through, yeah. just as Don Don did for a long time, yeah. Uh, and we've seen all those ups and downs. We've seen that rich tapestry, whatever way you want to you look at it. And you've written about it, and you've written it from a fan's perspective with contributions from other fans. Absolutely. Yeah. Tell tell us what this book is all about. I think it uh, in in the current era that we have with football now which is I think we'd all admit now it's almost unrecognisable to what we grew up with and that was kind of a bit of the driving force behind it because there will be a generation of City fans that don't know what defeat means yeah. which I, I find it absurd to say it but yeah, nonetheless there's kids in school now that are yeah. walking around with their chest puffed out because City are the team to support in Manchester at this moment in time um, so, so I think it was a case of just getting the message out to, to the 
the younger generation as well as the older ones so we can reminisce about what it was like in the old days just to show them and I, and I think hopefully we've caught a cross-section of what happened the good the bad the ugly um the ugly fortunately is not we're, we're not uh it's it's not a football hooligan book i can assure you of that <laughs> um, but it tells it as it was and you'll read some of those stories and you'll think god i was that bad that day or, or conversely how did we how did we beat Uddersfield 10 1? How did we manage to score 10 goals? Because as as I'm sure you were all part of the 19,583 yeah. with a with a handful of Uddersfield fans stuck <laughs> in the corner yeah. of the plat lane and uh, Andy May scored the goal, so we can claim we scored all eleven that day. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But but those days to us mean every bit as much as what we see and enjoy now. And if because not more. It, it, yeah, if not more, because that's what defines us. And I think that's what that's the point we're trying to make that you know for all the for all the um, uh, ridicule that we'll get from other clubs fans now we're there to be shot at well do you know what we're just an ordinary working class club from Manchester M147 and we moved we moved across yeah. the city and that's what we are we won and the lottery didn't we that, yeah exactly and and I defy anybody else's <laughs> fans as you said Paul mm. to have not took it on board and, and embrace it as we have done. To be fair, you know, uh, obviously the, I do the match day vlog, and, and the one that I did at Anfield has had uh, this, as I'm sitting here now, has had around 30,000 views, and a lot of those have actually been Liverpool fans, I can tell that. Um, and there have been a lot of comments on there that have been pretty negative and horrible, really. Mm-hmm. But there also been there's also been some. There's been some nice comments on there from Liverpool fans who who do acknowledge that there is a loyal fan base of which we are part, um, who have been through those tough times. And you know, the, the word "deserve" is is a is a contentious word, but yeah. that some people might argue City fans deserve what has happened to them uh, because of what they went through to get to this point. And I think there is a respect, certainly a respect, from certain types of Liverpool, United and everybody else's fans towards the City fans like you, Sean, like me, like like plenty of other people that we could name. Paul, Jane, Will, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Is, is that fair, you know, that, that, that this, this word deserve, because it is a contentious word. Do you think City fans... Deserve what has happened because of the contents of your book. Oh, I'm a bit, I'm a bit more of a, a realist than that in a way. You, you only get what you, you only get out what you put in. And and basically, we've got to where we've got. Yes, we've had a massive helping hand with money, but we still had to use that money properly. And down to the calibre of person that Pep's brought into the club, and having had the good fortune to meet uh, Leroy Sane and Gundogan when they turned up on the doorstep unannounced, um, I can say we. We're not only signing great footballers. You've got to explain. Hang on, before you expand on that, just to explain that because people that's assumed knowledge, as they say. (laughs) So, what do you mean turned up on the doorstep on an? The the club, the club in the last two, three, four years have done a series of initiatives to kind of uh, reward fan loyalty and people that you know the fans that have stuck with them through thick and thin. And uh, obviously, you could narrow that down to twenty five thousand. So somehow, (laughs) so somehow, that I ended up, I ended up being the one. Uh, I'll, I'll be eternally grateful um, but uh, yes yeah, so, so, so basically the club said they were coming under other pretenses which was uh, looking at a bit of memorabilia that I had uh, so I made the excuses at work like you do and uh, we're running around and then the uh, next thing we know we're my wife shouts out the window, Sean, you're never going to believe who's outside. It's Leroy Sane and Ilkay Gundogan. So 
<laughs> I did, you get, did you get the hoover out and everything? Was I, I you going around? Bet she's going mad with the hoover. <laughs> so I went to the front door and said morning because she asked me just what you do with it. I said to it was the day after the we'd won at Watford last game of the season, the five six nil at the last. So it was the day after the, the Monday morning. So I said I seen you yesterday to Leroy, and I said, but I didn't see you, Wilkie, because he, he obviously was injured. Um, and then then invited him in, and uh, and that was it for forty minutes. We talked about a lot of things and um, so this wasn't just done as a pure 30 second little bit of film no, shake hands you actually no. got a proper conversation but, but, but not only that they had gifts for us which was basically a season ticket home and away for me and Jane for the following season which wow. like if you do it in monetary terms like That's, you know yeah. it's, <laughs> we've not got to find two and a half grand for the next yeah. season which, so it's a massive impact but they couldn't tell me that because I took the envelopes off them and shoved them in my pocket <laughs> and they spent the last, next 10 minutes saying Sean we need them envelopes you've got to get them out because we've got to present so it was all just dead, like matter of fact, and 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 they really, really bought into it. And uh, I think uh, Leroy, I think it kind of as a younger, the younger player, I think he'd never actually quite seen anything like it before. And I think he alluded to it after saying, "I've met uh, a real fan, you know, yeah. not just somebody that kind of lives, breathes the club." As, as obviously my wife does and, and, we, and we all mm. do and it's good for the players to actually understand that that's what you know up and down the country from a, a Berry fan and, and I think the world of Berry and hopefully something will happen good for them uh, but don't matter how big or small your club is nobody can deny you that passion that you feel and that when they and the adrenaline rush that we all get and in that respect nobody's better than anybody else True. we're all the same we, we follow it and, and football's the best thing on the planet because it unites people. Now, well, thanks for sharing that. Can you remember what you were going to say before I interrupted you? Oh, no, I've got a clue. <laughs> <laughs> Short to memory loss. <laughs> well, then, uh, let me go down a different route All then, right. which is you, you were tell, you've told us a little bit about the outline of the book. Yeah. Um, the book, it, it, it covers what period? So, so from my perspective, I started from how I became um, a Manchester City supporter, which was, uh, and again, depending on what area you're from, I'm not sure if Will will be familiar with football cards, but certainly when we was kids growing up, we all got the, uh, and they used to have the piece of chewing gum in yeah, them, yeah. A, B, C, or tops, and they were in the early 70s, and they're five in a packet. Will's and putting his eyebrows I'm, up here, I haven't got a clue what I'm, not, I'm not being funny, we'd kill for the 2p to, to buy them. Yeah. So, so, so we bought these and we'd all go to school with them and you'd have the bundle of them there was nothing fancy to store them in so you'd have smell lovely didn't they, they, they smell of oh, yeah, as well yeah. Yeah. But, but they wondered obviously at school there was a massive problem with with uh, dentistry because mm. all our teeth were falling out because we all let that much <laughs> chewing gum because we kept buying more and more packets <laughs> and every time you bought them you had to have another yeah. stick of chewing and of course it was laced with sugar because no, there was no yeah, consideration yeah. for it so we, we lost all our milk teeth very <laughs> very early but nonetheless the, from those football cards um, the babysitter uh, that used to look after us when my mum and dad went out they were two City fans from Austin and they had the set of the City cards and it was like the Holy Grail for me and then one night one of the girls I and mean, Sandra said Sean you can have them and I, I, I honestly I thought I'd won the pools. I, I, I've got this picture of Joe Cardigan and the late Ron Ely and Mike Doyle and Tommy Booth and Tony Towers, and I've got all, and I've got the full set, all eleven of them, and they've got the orange backs on, and it tells you little bits of stats about them, where they were born, and I kind of you, you remember the height and 
Willie Donerkey was from Garbles, Glasgow. So you yeah, get you yeah. got every little minute, yeah. and I studied it all, and and that gave me the that gave me the bug, as did all my schoolmates, and uh, the majority was. Growing up in our school with City fans, there was United fans, obviously, and because it was classed as Oldham, where it was South Chatterton, a couple of Oldham lads, and in fact, I think one of the Oldham lads, Andrew Deard, and his uncle Bill played for Sheffield United. So we had a we had a lad in school whose uncle played for Sheffield United, yeah. and Sheffield United then in the seventies was a big side. It was a big, you know, like and it's Alan Woodward, and yeah, that, yeah, yeah, and. His, his uncle plays football. It's like, you know, it's like the yeah, best yeah. thing to ever hear. Invite us around to your house kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and the weird thing with Andrew was, I think he couldn't have been less interested in football. <laughs> and his uncle, were, you did kill for that to have an uncle that played for a you know, big city yeah, club. Yeah. So oh. it, it's very, very humble beginnings. But nonetheless, it taught us that, and the, collect them cards, the value to you. And then, of course, you'd had swaps. So of course you didn't get. You used to play. I mean, at school when uh, did you oh, do this? Ball? You flick him against you, the wall. You, yeah, you yeah. skinned him oh. against the wall, and yeah. you, you risked losing all your good yeah. cards. Yeah, yeah, not with mine. I didn't want to bend them. <laughs> no. I, 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 even I even had that thing at that age to think I'm not creasing my well, cards. I, I had a set of my good stuff and <laughs> yeah. in, my, in my other pocket. And if you played somebody you play really, doubles, yeah, don't you? yeah. If, somebody, if somebody really good turned up to play, yeah. you'd shuffle them into the other side so you didn't lose your best stuff. That <laughs> <laughs> was ace. Yeah. That were the days. So that got me the bug, and then um, f- following on from that, uh, my dad got the opportunity to take me to um, the Dennis Law Derby in '74. So that was my first game. It's probably well documented, but that nonetheless, it was uh, not a bad starter for no. ten, is it? And uh, I just remember seeing the back heel in real life and then watching it on the television and thinking, it looks a long, long way from, from, from having seen it at the game. I couldn't believe how far out. And it was all like slow motion happening. Mm. And then I don't remember much after that because all I remember were arms and legs because there were people being thrown in the air. And I didn't realise at the time that it's a Manchester derby, tensions are running high, Man United know they're going down and Man City fans, they're going to cop for it. And that basically, I, I witnessed all this going on before my eyes. And I, oh, welcome to the derby. Well, there, was <laughs> inv- there was a pitch invasion. The game never actually finished technically, no, did it? How old were you at this point? How, what, what? Uh, I was nine. Right. So, so, And then I remember the referee with a microphone, Tommy Doherty came on, they got Matt Busby out of the stand to come on and he wasn't, wasn't going to clear them. I mean, that was it. The pitch was full. And, and I think the plan was, and it was a common thing. It wasn't just United. I think Newcastle had done it against Forest. Uh, Leeds had done it against. It was a. It was an attempt to get the game abandoned, which of course they succeeded in. But subsequent to that, the six minutes or so that wasn't played, it was deemed by the uh, football league as it didn't matter. The result stood. Cause it didn't change anything in the league and what have you. So they didn't actually. Those fans that did it that day didn't get what they wanted. Good. So, <laughs> Good. Yeah, absolutely. Well, before Sean carries on with his story, which. Uh, and, and obviously it is going to be predominantly shown in this um, tell us about your story Paul because uh... Uh, my, mine's slightly different my um, my gran used to live on Thornton Road which backed onto the Kipax car park so my mum as a little girl she used to sing in the Besic prize band well play the cornet in the Besic prize band so one week they play at United the next week they play at City so she's always my mum's always been a City fan my gran, I found out just before she died, on the deathbed, she confessed to me that she was a United fan, which I've never, never <laughs> forgiven her for. I don't know if you're up there, gran, looking now. <laughs> never forget it. Um, 
So it, I was always going to be a City fan. My dad was a City fan. Uh, my granddad was a City fan. He was the conductor of the band at the time, um, Albert Risby. Um, so literally, from being a little baby, I used to stand in the backyard. The, you know, we'd open the back gate. They'd let the bike people put the bikes in and you know look after the bikes for them. And the police would come past. You'd give the sugar lumps to the police horses. And, so it was all that. So i stand on a coal bunker in a backyard and he could see into the kipax. It was like the, the terracing going up. And so whenever you heard, I'd, I'd stand there, just literally like sitting on the fence. And then as soon as you heard the crowd roar, you knew it was a goal. I'd go legging it in and look for the teleprinter at the bottom of the uh, grandstand or whatever it was on <laughs> at the time. Um, and, I, you know, because he'd scored, because you knew it was City, it was scored. And eventually I got to where uh, my dad took me to, this is the game I remember. Because yeah. I, I think I went to other games, but this is the one I remember. Because I just took it as this is my normal Saturday. Mm. When the season was on, I just took it as a normal Saturday because I went to my grand's and it was at a football ground. So I didn't say anything special about it. My dad finally took me, I think it was uh, Mike Doyle's testimonial uh, for my birthday. My birthday was May the 12th. If I remember rightly, I think it was about May the 9th, 78, yeah. 79, something like that. And I just went and to, to actually go in and see what I'd been hearing outside to go in and I was sold that was yeah. it I was always ever going to be a City fan and that was it it was in, It was literally in my blood well we've had lots of ups and downs as supporters yeah. I mean those were the starts for you two yeah. I presume that the book has lots of anecdotes are they all you and Don or are there guest anecdotes in oh there? they're the guest anecdotes and, and I think uh, without trying to oversell it, the beauty of it is we've got opinions of opposing fans of what they think of City. And I found that a fascinating uh, read just to see what other people think of us. And, uh, you know, obviously, if you want to buy it and read it, you'll you'll find out. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, for me, it's, uh, it's definitely it's a collection of uh, memories from half a dozen blues. But, but what I would say to you is that anybody that's got uh, aspires to try it, You've got to do it because um, it's been burning in my head for years. I've been driving Jay mad with it and writing little <laughs> notes down and doing this. And, and that's where Don came in because Don kind of knew that there was something in there. And it, he prized it out and said, come and do it with me. It's after risk and we'll see how it goes. Well, and you've been writing for King of the Kipax for a long time, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. And to be fair, you know, Dave and Sue gave me that opportunity. And uh, and even from you just mentioning that, I mean, if you look at the change from when it came out, I think uh, Barnsley, I think in 88, 89 to, to today, I mean, my reports in the old days, I used to write it and written. And stick it, in, you know, and stick it to somewhere in in the post near Wigan, and he get it two days later and <laughs> to email. So even that just shows you, uh, you know, for the younger generation, what you had to do in the old days. Was, but I, to be honest with you, I'd switch, switch back to the old days tomorrow. There's nothing yeah. better than than a handwritten letter. It's got a personal feel to it for the start, Absolutely. and you've made the effort rather than just all on on keyboard. No spell checkers. No Absolutely. Yeah. Now I don't want you to. I understand how it yeah. works because obviously the Vinnie Company. Came book came out and I didn't want to no. tell people what was in it I didn't I didn't want to tell people what the key bits of the content were because yeah. then nobody buys it yeah so I get that yeah so I'm not going to ask you to to tell us everything that's in the book but no. there must be one story you can tell us one one story that's a particular favorite of yours oh. it gives us a flavor of whether it's you personally whether it's one that somebody else has I written that's in the book 
I, th- I think um, it probably, uh, as, as we're all like travelling blues, so we all know, we've all done the hard mile. Um, I ended up um, in uh, southern Italy, in Sardinia, actually, uh, for work in the early 90s. And uh, I'd gone for a couple of years without missing, and then all of a sudden I'm stuck in the back end of Sardinia and we're playing Torquay at home in the, in the Milk Cup as it was back then, and it's the second leg, and it didn't actually matter the game, you know, I think it would won 4 nil first leg and it's second leg. So anyway, on the morning of the game, I'm 2,000 miles away, whatever it is, and uh, I've done what I need to do, and I have a company credit card, and and like anybody else, <laughs> if you use it within reason, and it's you know <laughs> it's a valid reason, well, use it to get home, and that's exactly what I did. So <laughs> I flew from Sardinia into Rome, but I got to Rome, and then to my the horror, I'm trying to book on a Manchester flight. She says you can't get on; it's full. Oh God, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I'm looking at the watch; it's eleven o'clock, and I'm thinking, kick off! You know, hours no chance. And then by fluke, and something must have made me look. I see Monta Gatwick. I thought I'm having it, so I go straight over to this PA desk, Gatwick. Any room on that plane? Couple of seats left. Bang, I'm on it. So I'm thinking to myself: as soon as I'm on English soil and I'm at Gatwick, I can get myself back to Manchester, no problem at all. And uh, I made it for kickoff. Wow. Uh, maybe ten minutes before whatever. <laughs> I think there's twelve thousand turned up. It was nil nil. The game didn't mean anything, but to, to me, it meant the world. You jumped the obstacles to get there. You felt good in yourself that you'd done it. It was a show of commitment to yourself and to everybody else around. But that's what a football fan does, and, yeah. and we all we all do it. I'm going to get Paul's story and Wilk. If you've got a little story you can tell us, don't feel that you're being left out of this. But let me. It's, it's ironic because you've mentioned Torquay, so I'm going to mention um, a sort of talk. Well, I'm going to give you two stories here. Try not to to go on too long. But the top. It might have been the other leg. Uh, the first leg of the Torquay uh-huh. game. That's what's triggered it for yeah. me. But it certainly was a nil-nil draw at Torquay. Uh, so I start my career out um, doing hospital radio and voluntary commentaries, etc. And then a company called Club Call come around, and and they they have this 0898 number, and you can That's listen right, to yeah, commentaries, etc. Yeah. So uh, and that this gives me a chance for the first time in my life to commentate professionally. So uh, City are playing Torquay away on a Tuesday night, yeah. whatever. It was and uh, and and I get a phone call from Club Call and this was in the eighties yeah? Yeah, yeah and uh, and the phone call goes along the lines of um, we've got a commentary game for you t- tonight in uh, tomorrow night uh, uh, Liverpool against Tottenham at Anfield League Cup big game tie of the round it's going to be an absolute belter. 50 quid. Now, that might not sound a lot, although to me, 50 quid's still a lot, but 50 quid at the time, back in the 80s, yeah. was like the equivalent of about 300 quid now. Yeah. You know, a lot of money. And I went, uh, no, no, I can't do that one. And they said, oh, well, you're not you're working. And I said, no, I'm actually going to Torquay against City. And they said, oh, you're working down there. I said, no, no, I'm not working. I'm just going to Torquay against City. Yeah. And they went, well, but we're offering you 50 quid to do commentary and you'll be home 45 minutes from Liverpool won't you take you all night to get back from Tottenham are you not in work tomorrow because I had a normal job as well and I said uh, yeah but I'm, I'm going to Torquay and they just couldn't, couldn't get, get their heads around yeah. it at all yeah. so yeah. I go to Torquay we draw nil-nil I've got to say looking back on all the games that City have ever played it's definitely one of the worst games I've ever seen <laughs> nil-nil at Torquay terrible game 
The next day I get a phone call, um, are you available at the weekend? Uh, and, and it obviously depended whether City were playing or not, but I was available. And they said, uh, and then they went, uh, bet you regretted going to Torquay now, didn't you? <laughs> it was 3-2 at Anfield, what a game, it was match of the season and everything. Yeah, yeah. I said, no, I don't regret it at all. I, I wanted to go to and that would That's never it. change. Yeah. I was That's at it. Torquay. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. there you go, the, the, the other Torquay one. And the other, the other one I said very, very briefly, because it yeah. reminds me of what you just said, yeah. was that City played a game at Millwall midweek, and the BBC had asked me to do this tour of shopping centres where we were promoting the the, uh, the the you know the station, and I was in Wigan, and I knew that the, the this thing would finish around about four o'clock in the afternoon on match day, yeah. and I thought I'm not missing Millwall, I'm not missing Millwall, so I booked a flight from Manchester to London City Airport. Yeah. It was at five o'clock. I was out of Wigan at four, got to the airport ten minutes before, got on the flight, arrived at London City, arrived ten minutes before kick-off. That's the sort right. of commitment you have as a fan, isn't it? Absolutely. Come yeah. on, Paul, yeah. you've got yeah. a story. You must have one. <laughs> uh, you know what? The problem I have is all We've my stories... the bar high well, now. All my, story, all my stories kind of blend into one, really, because as, as when I was younger, I forgot them. I've got a really bad memory. But as Who I've got older, again? exactly what we're doing here. <laughs> as, as I've got older, they kind of all kind of blur into it, and and I mean the, the one the one I can't get out of my head is still is still that the ninety three twenty. Yeah. You know, I know it's it's not. I've got loads and loads of memories of old uh, Main Road and all the rest of it for my growing up part. But if something had a massive impact on my life. It's got to be that ninety three twenty because it was it was. I, I've got goosebumps now just thinking about it. Yeah. I don't remember. I remember the goal going in, and that is it. Yeah. I was I was reminded by a policeman that stands next to us where I, I'm on block one eleven. Yeah. So we have like the line there with all police, and and I, and I got on the pitch. How I got on the pitch, I don't know. I haven't a clue. I, I couldn't breathe. I just remember feeling suffocated, but I know I was on the pitch because there's pictures of me on the pitch. There's a video of me trying to do a do do like a slide on the pitch, but my belly dug in and I just rocked like a turtle. <laughs> so, and I remember getting and I got off the pitch and this 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 cop has stood next to us. Fair play to him. I thought I was gonna get yeah. arrested or something, and he just went, "You know what? That was so funny." <laughs> he said for a little fat bloke he said you can't half shift can't he, he said yeah. how, how you got on that pitch he said it was amazing it was like watching somebody at uh, Beecher's Brook getting over there and it, <laughs> it's, li it's little things like that that you know it's not specifically you know there's loads of I've, I've, they're all blobbing to one for me all my yeah. memories and sm smells as well of the football I mean one particular smell it's a bit crude this it's the smell of horse muck at Main Road yeah. because he just seemed to be little ginnels weren't they little ginnels with horse muck everywhere and yeah. little things like that that you, you, you can hear something or smell something and it just brings back a memory flooding so, to so, you so what we're saying is horse muck reminds horse you of city yeah. Yeah. I, every yeah. set, when there's no football on I always get out my mate's farm and sitting with the horses <laughs> you, just take it in take the ambience in do you ever remember at Main Road on the Kipax when at half time you go down for some food so the queues are massive for beer and food inside the ground yeah. so if you went to a particular turnstile there was an invisible man and the reason I say it is an hand appeared through the turnstile and you put a pound in it and then an hamburger came back came the back other. And I, I never met that bloke I never ever met <laughs> yeah. him but, no. but it was where you got and he, he was, never ripped us off you know what I mean yeah, he, he could always, have done a runner with that quid yeah. but he didn't 
they give you yeah. an hamburger yeah. and the toilets at the bottom <laughs> yeah. of the stairs. And it was just it's little things like that. Yeah, that, that, yeah, you, yeah. that stick with you. Well, I used uh, to get it's, again. It's not a game. It's just more of a, a memory I've got of. Um, we used to go to the game early to yeah. get in, and you got your little spot on the terraces and what have you. Started off in Platt Lane. Sacred, that spot, wasn't yeah. it, Paul? You'd yeah. no one nick that spot off you. Oh, <laughs> that was the, sacred. The ground that. built up round you, didn't it? Yeah. You know, if you got there first, the that ground, if your... you moved, yeah. everyone else moved over. And it was a bit, there was not enough room at the end of the terrace. Yeah. But I used to, uh, I, I went down and my dad, um, I used to go in and get the ball signed for the, the match balls and stuff. So Bernard Alford had come out, me and this other kid, yeah. and we'd, we'd go in and we'd go to the home changing room and the away changing room. But I saw this as normal. Yeah. I, 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 just, just to explain this a little bit more then, you, you're not just telling me you randomly walked up with a ball. You were, you were a bit of a gopher for Bernard, were you? No, no, I literally, I turned up, turned up one day. We always used to stand. It was, I remember it because I think Saab were the sponsors at the time. That's how I can remember here as by the sponsors. <laughs> and, and, and what comes into your mind now? Graham Baker? Oh, Dan absolutely. Phillips, yeah. You can see the Saab Steve shirt. Kinsey, Steve Kinsey, I think that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the car park was sort of like to the right, and then the, the players used to just pull up in the cars. They all had Saab convertibles, and they'd, they'd, they'd walk through, and you'd get your autograph signed. It wasn't an issue. They didn't tell you to do one. They signed your autographs. Yeah. So it was cordoned off a little bit, and you got your, your picture where the main entrance. There's a little door next to it. So me and my dad were there one day and, you know, I got a couple of autographs and stuff and um, I didn't know who he was at the time, but it was Bernard Alford came out and said um, to me, dad, can I borrow your son for a little bit? So it's like, <laughs> yeah, why? So he just said, oh, I just need him for half an hour. Never, my dad never quizzed it. So I went in, there was another young kid with us and basically we went in, we got a ball each. And a, and, a, and a sharpie sort of pen yeah. and all we had to do was go in the changing rooms home and away go around all the players and they signed each ball it was a, every, every home game we did it so I did that one week and I, I had my autograph book with me and everything and I never never felt, felt to, to do it and eventually that season I got to do it every every game every yeah. game so the players sort of like got to know me and you know here he is and, and it was just but I, I didn't once get an autograph I was going in a home and away dressing rooms, and I didn't once get my own autographed because I just thought that that's what you do in it. Yeah, <laughs> crazy. But I, I could have had all it, of them. It's good, it's good you mentioned uh, late Bernard Alford, and obviously from all of us, uh, what he did, and you know. He used to take a lot of criticism back in the day, but if you think about it now and look back on it, for all the technology that we've got now, Bernard ran a ticket office that on some occasions had to get 52,000 fans in the ground with four days. And if you actually look at it and compute that now, yeah. so what what they had to do, yeah. they must have worked 24-7 to get them tickets out. And that's testament to what, mm. what he did then. Yeah. And I, I don't know if you ever remember, on the other occasion, if you didn't get your tickets turned up, me and Jane are in one night and the tickets haven't turned up and we're worried because it's before duplicates and all that. And it gets a knock on the door, half seven Friday night, and it, it's, it's Bernard at the door. And delivering he said, it. He says, uh, uh, Mr. Riley, it's Mr. Holford. Oh, no, I recognise you, Bernard. He said, I, I believe you've not got your tickets. I've I, I just thought I brought them round so you, you're not travelling without tomorrow. And it's like you say, that was how far the club went for you in them days. It, it was, was a special, personal it? touch. Yeah. And uh, hopefully we can keep that up or certainly make an attempt to do it because that's what makes us the family club that we are. I think exactly. it's worth bearing uh, mentioning at this point as well because uh, Don Price uh, is your co-author. Absolutely. Yeah. Don ran Presswich and Whitefield branch 
into the supporters' clubs. The supporters' clubs are huge. I mean, last night um, I was at Reddish Blues. Tomorrow I'm at the Disabled Supporters Club branch. On Friday I'm at the Heroes of Waterloo. I'm doing a bit of a, a tour round at the moment. Is that uh, with the book that you're reading? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you shouldn't take those branches for, for granted. And I know there's a lot of overseas branches as well now. Yeah. Um, but the Presswich and Whitefield... I have to say, in its era, at its time, was the biggest. I mean, when um, Don wanted to get... It was Heaton Park Social it Club, wasn't, wasn't it? And then it, yeah. and, and, and it, it and so normally you go to a supporters club branch, and, and this has obviously changed now, and I know current players don't go out to supporters clubs, but you'd have up to like five ex-players and a, yeah. maybe a, a current player and and then somebody like me from the media or whatever you know the, the, there'd be a whole raft of people there yeah. and you think how does he do it I mean I know you're a Jerry Gow fan <laughs> but he, he'd like have Jerry Gow Tommy Hutchinson Bobby, Bobby Mack oh, all in the same room there, wouldn't they yeah. you know yeah. and you think how on earth has he done this yeah. he, how did he, he do he, it he's testament to Don what he, what he is he is probably the most persistent person I've ever ever met and he, and he does it <laughs> and he does it in a good way and, and he gets he gets people to react and, and he's done it with from the rich and famous to us mere mortals and I, I remember Mick McCarthy came and Mick McCarthy at the time ex-Man City player but he was manager of the Republic of Ireland when they were a good side and, and there was a lot of demands on mixed time. But he, he, he felt there must have been something, there must have been a chord that Don struck that made, that, that got him to come Dreaming over. And, yeah. it, and he came in. And then it, no sooner did he sat down and it, Don would be down the mic. Mick, have you remembered that signed shirt for the raffle later? Don, just give me a chance to have my pint, will you, mate? And I, I, I've got it all sorted. <laughs> So, so he was he's a born warrior, I think, in that respect that he don't want people to forget. And, uh, and and in and in a few pints, Don Don can be dead jovial, but I'll tell you what, he's really, really switched on underneath it all. Don't think for one second. Yeah. He's still a sharp tool in the box, Don. Yeah. Definitely. And uh, it's been a pleasure working with him. Really, really enjoyed it. Well, those characters, I wish there were still as many of them around. There's still a few around. Will, I'd just love to hear your thoughts now. I mean, listen to us old men having uh, so of rattled on for a little bit um, what, 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 what do you think of what you've heard um, yeah I mean I always wish that sort of I feel like I was born in the wrong generation sometimes um, obviously everyone talks about the good old days I, when I heard obviously what the topic was going to be tonight I had a thought about my early city memories and sadly my first football memory is United winning the treble and going to watch their going to watch their parade come through Stratford. That is my earliest football memory. Um, that's an absolute killer, Will. If you don't mind me saying that, I'm a black armband <laughs> going on. <laughs> yeah. what, what was it like then for you growing up? Because I know what it was like for my kids growing up, and it was very difficult because in school it was all reds everywhere. Yep. Was that what it was like for you? Well, I, I've always lived in Stratford, so. Ten times as bad as almost any other place in Manchester, really. It's not but, in Manchester, by the way. No, I'm, 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 I'm happy to accept that. I'm not from Manchester as long as they aren't either. <laughs> <laughs> what about what about uh, you know? Think, has anything ever sort of happened to you that I mean, you know, you've not lived as long, so perhaps these things will come along. But you know, these these sort of moments that you'll never forget. Um, I, I'm on the same line as Paul. As I can barely remember anything about the Aguero game, um, <laughs> but the one, the bit that sticks out for me is the end of the Derby game 
uh, when the company header and we sung Hey Jude for about yeah. three or four minutes. That will always, always, always stick with me. I will yeah. never forget that moment. Yeah. So, I mean, and it and it's just little bits and bobs like um, Yaya Torre scoring at Newcastle. Um, Rubinho's free kick against Chelsea. I, that just felt like the start in his first game. That was the, the start of something new and exciting for City. I'll always remember that. Um, the comeback against Spurs in the FA Cup. That's a good one. I, I, I wonder yeah, whether, yeah, yeah. though, as a young fan, when you listen to these stories, and obviously City get accused of, of no history and everything, do you do you actually, are you genuinely interested in that? 100%. Or as a young fan, is the only thing you really you're interested post-2011 when City started to win? Because you'd have every right to say yes to that. Yeah, I mean, if I, if I was to go mastermind, my, my my topic would be Manchester City in the 21st century. I wouldn't be able to answer many questions about the 90s, the 80s and the 70s. But I love it. I loved hearing my dad talk about when he was a, a young lad and he went to the Dennis Law, the Dennis yeah. Law derby and yeah. all that sort of stuff. I love it. I love hearing... It's almost unimaginable now, you know, considering it, the, the the powerhouse that we are and what I've grown up with. That, yeah, it's almost unimaginable to hear how yeah. almost amateur it was back in the day, but not not in a bad way. Not it's character way. building, though, isn't it? I mean, I don't think Paul and me and you, Sean and Jane, would be the people we are if, if and the fan the fan base right across the fan base yeah. would be the fan base we are if it hadn't been for what's happened. And I actually, now, at my age, I think I'm so glad that this happened. It yeah. didn't feel like it at the time, yeah. but I'm so glad it happened because I can enjoy so much more what has happened in, in the last few years than I could have ever possibly enjoyed it. And this is no ris- disrespect to you, no, Will, no, but if I was in your generation now... Uh, I, I couldn't possibly have enjoyed it more, and I, I, and having peaked with the Centurion season, with the Aguero goal, with the Gerard slip, with the, the you know ninety eight versus ninety seven points, winning the quadruple, treble, whatever you want to call it, yeah. you know you, you wonder what my, my son, who's twenty four, says. Well, it's never going to get any better than this. It can only go downhill Down. from yeah. here. Yet yeah, for us, it's always been uphill, hasn't it? To this point, <laughs> it's yeah. always uphill. Yeah, yeah. It might, it might plateau now, but like you say, we've been on a climb for ten years. And uh, I remember speaking to you not long after the takeover, Ian, and it was you that actually gave me the confidence for once because I I remained unsure. And I remember you saying to me, you said. Sean, the things that are going to change here beyond your wildest dreams. So you must have had the inside track on it and, and must have known, must have seen into the future with a, with a, man, with a Mystic Meg's ball and have you to see what was going on. But uh, it, I, I needed that reassurance from somebody else to think, do you know what, it could just happen. But it doesn't happen it by has, accident. It it's hard work. I mean, Hard work and dedication as well. To conclude this hour, and I don't want to conclude it on a negative, but having had now this ride from from Auto Windscreen Shield at home to Mansfield 2-1, mm-hmm. just over 3,000 attendants. 3,007. Yeah. Well, I knew <laughs> that, but I wasn't going to say it. <laughs> just, for, just for the record. Just yeah, for the record. Well, me and you were both there, weren't we? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so from that point, from, from losing at Lincoln 4-1 to whatever game you want to pick out, losing to Stockport and, yeah. and all this sort of stuff, to where we are now, has been the most incredible ride. Now, I don't want to sound old, but, and, and I don't want to make you sound no, old no. either, but now at your age, yeah. do you feel as if you've seen everything you're ever going to see? And it would, would that mean that there might come a point when you think, well, that's it, I've done it, and walk away? Uh, it's a very good question that you raise, actually. Um, the, the, 
the way that the game's changed, I think single-handedly, VAR has made us all question it. I really, I really do. Yeah, be- because now we've not got that. Even if the referee has the worst game in history, he makes what he believes to be the correct decision at the time. For that to be taken away from him, it's just beyond comprehension. Mm. I do not know where <laughs> we're going down the uh, rugby union as another example. As a kid, I remember watching Wales on my, on my television at Grandstand and Wales had this rugby union team and they'd all pass it in a line and it looked beautiful to mm. watch. If I watch Rugby Union now, I'm bored to tears after five minutes because it's blow, stop, referee, check, check. And and I don't see what's... There's no flow to no. the game. And no. we're in danger with football. We're in grave danger. Because the, the second that, 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 that we all get fed up of it is the day that they've got a problem because they don't want to be beaming games across the world with half-empty stadiums. And if they're not careful, that's the way they're going to send it. Is there any danger? And again, I'm trying not to... I'm not being negative, but I think these are interesting questions. And it might be something we tackle on a on a bigger scale in a future podcast. But, it, you know, if, if City stop winning, you know, uh, the, 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 the our generation who've seen it all... Do they want to go back to how it was? It might never go back to like it was. That's one question. Another question. <laughs> another question is, you know, um, you know, City, City as a club are now a global entity. That when that Bernard came and dropped that ticket off, I mean, only you've given yeah. an example of yeah. of Leroy Sane and, and Gundogan, and I absolutely applaud for City to do that, and that was brilliant. And there are some fantastic people who work at City yeah. who I know who abs- absolutely have hearts of gold and don't want to ever lose that. Yeah. But what you can't legislate for is the fact that the players now are multi multi millionaires. The club is getting bigger and bigger and bigger and expanding bigger and bigger and bigger. And there will must be a concern that the club is no no longer is ours at some point in the future. We all have this identity because you, of your book, because of of that history. Yeah. You, I don't believe you can you can't have one without the other. I think the way, the, the global franchise the, the game it, 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 we're basically we're just part of this monstrous vehicle now. That's what that's what we're all part of. And unfortunately, as a result of that, you do feel more ostracised than ever before on the outside looking in. But I think that's just football as it is now. And I, I think the only way round that. If that's not your bag in future, you'll probably we'll all probably end up doing what friends of ours have already done, which is you sack the Premiership off, you go and support a local team down the you know might be Droylsden for example, you go and watch Droylsden might be where you go back to reminisce about how it was in the old days where you can sit have with your pint in the clubhouse, you yeah. can have your pie, you can have a chat with the away fans and what have you, and and maybe there's maybe that's there's more to be said in the future for that if. They carry on pushing it the way they are because corporate can only go so far. And I still believe, rightly or wrongly, that City, no, ma- no matter how much they push that corporate, we're never gonna, we're never gonna ever rival United and Liverpool on corporate. It's never gonna happen. They, sure. they, they're, they're streets ahead of it, and, and and it's folly of us to think. And and I don't want us to go there. And I think I'm, I don't think I'm the only one that thinks that. I don't want to be that far down because that's when it does become completely soulless. And that's when it, you know, it, you're, you're as remote as you can be then, mm. because you're more than happy to sit in front of a television three thousand mile away than than make the effort. Even it might be one game a season, but that one game a season where you make the effort to go. That's what football was. That's where it came from. Yeah. 
the, the working man and working woman's class sport. And that's that's where it came from to where we are today. When, when people ask me, why have you gone to Shakhtar the third year in a row? You've been twice already. Um, you know, two weeks notice, we had to go via um, Gatwick and, and all sorts mm-hmm. and via Kiev and everything. It's still in me. Yeah. And I know you missed a couple of games recently. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and wow, what a run you were on. And I know you're back on sort of the run really now. Uh, but 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 you know, for me, for me, people were saying, "What? Why are you going again to such a far flung place? It's going to cost you money, etc." Because it's in me, I can't help it. I have to go to every game. I know people look at me as a former BBC and a and a blogger and everything, but I'm, ultimately, the only reason I wanted to be there was because I'm a fan. Are you just will on, that ever end? That's the question I can't even answer myself. Well, just on that sort of note, it was on about the corporate sort of stuff. Yeah. Went went to Shakhtar. So have you had the letter then? Well, have I, you... I was I was in the press box that night, so I, I don't really count. Right. So I so I'm well, you hope... went as a fan though, didn't you? As you know, you you were there with the under well, fourteen. And people stuff, will so... will perceive me as having gone presumably as a journalist. Right. So and and I and that's fine. Because everyone's been like whoever went. Yeah, yeah. The club's acknowledged yeah, yeah, with a letter, yeah. which, is... which is again, which is great. Yeah. They'll do that, which is fantastic. But then they'll do silly things like we've seen that stomp. Clapping, you know, I know, I know, I don't let them bring it up, but you just got to look at this is this is the way it's going. Yeah, yeah. You know, and 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 you do they do something really good like that. Yeah. You know, invite us to this, and the you know, and they came round to your house and blah blah blah, but then they released that video. It made us all look stupid. So it makes you wonder what's going on in their heads. What do they, what yeah. do they want out of it? Yeah. You know, and so, yeah. so sometimes I wish. We could, you know, if we win the Champions League for me, we win the Champions League, that's the point where I'll start considering whether I start Your going options. to all the way, all the games I go to, yeah. and whether, you know, I'm, I'll, I'll go away as much, whether I do the European games as much as we do. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and at that point, it's like, you know, I'll go to a few games and meet up with my mates and do yeah. it that way. It's because not- I'll get more out of it doing it that. Because this VAR, it's took that, he took that emotion out of the game for yeah. me. You know, you knew when the referee blew his whistle and pointed to the centre circle, you knew it was a goal and it weren't being changed. Now, you yeah. cheer, what was it, is it not? And it kills it for me. Yeah. It's all about being on the terraces. Yeah. Once we had to stand up, once we, we couldn't stand up, we had to sit down. It started going for me. Yeah. yeah. And this is a subject I'm sure we'll come back to, so I'm going to leave the final word to, in this podcast to Will. Thanks very much, Sean, no for worries. coming in. Pleasure. Don't look back in anger. That's it. Empire books. Empire Publications. Publications. How do uh, people get a copy? Uh, that's a good question, because we've sold out of our personal copies already, <laughs> so he's doing well. Uh, but I believe the club are going to be stocking it in the store very, very shortly. Excellent. And uh, myself and Don will stock up on a few more, so if you see me at an home game, if you badger me, I might have one or two in my bag <laughs> stuck away to one side so uh, but yeah Ginger Wig online uh, the Ginger Wig he's selling it as well Anthony and if, Dawson if, if you've come at this podcast through my tweets then you will also have seen Sean's Twitter handle in there so yeah. I'm sure people could message you if absolutely for advice yeah, I'll, I'll put the link on and what is have it you. available on um, Kindle and it stuff is. for download so you yeah, can download it is you it can get well. it on Kindle and then I need to check about some of our blind supporters have been asking whether there's braille. A, a, for Braille and what have you so again we're asking the publisher now uh, and obviously because we'd love the, everybody to be included and, and hopefully yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. well very yeah. very best of luck with it thank you very uh, much and, and it's obviously always great to have you on 
the podcast. Pleasure always, gents. Thank but you. But I'm going to go to Will now because you just listened to more or less an hour of old men <laughs> shuddering <laughs> on. I just, I just wonder what you make of it. Are you? Do you wish you were in our era, or are you glad yeah. you're in your era? Um, part of me re- re- thinks I was born in the wrong generation. Um, I'd, have, I'd, I reckon I'd have loved, you know, all the gallows humour and. <laughs> I think, well, the thing is, you look back at it now in nostalgia, but I bet at the time, the relegations and playing Mansfield in the auto win, I bet that wasn't... <laughs> I bet it wasn't spectacular, was it? I bet it wasn't memorable, but now it's an experience that yeah. you bond over and you used to... Yeah. I cried my eyes out when uh, David Pleat skipped across uh, the pitch after uh, that Luton game. Badge of, it was a badge of honour. That's what it was. That's what it was. I nearly knocked him out because I was on the pitch and he ran past me. I was. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I'd have done that. Thanks very much to CharlesLouis.co.uk, sponsor the podcast. Really appreciate your support, guys. Don't forget to check them out if you're interested in a mortgage. We will do the next podcast um, on Sunday night. Uh, which means it'll be published late on Sunday evening or a Monday for your commute, depending on what time of the world it is. It might be, I don't know, morning, noon or night. But anyway, we'll be back with another podcast. Thanks again to Thameside Radio for being the venue where we recorded tonight's podcast. Um, And so thanks very much to Will Paul, to the silent as ever, Jane, and to to Sean. Uh, I'll see you next time. Keep keep supporting the Blues, by the way. Core Blues. Core Blues.